This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafumo. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, it's um, obviously a very important time in front of us just in a few days, um, in less than a week, in fact. And we do well, I believe, to hear from my dear brother who joins us from Washington, D.C. He is the founding partner of HIT Strategies, chief executive officer and founding partner. And they have, at HIT Strategies, produced uh, some of the latest information, a final poll, a black track poll, black voters in the final survey before the election. So where are we? What are we doing? What are we thinking? What are some of our views? It is down to the wire. We're happy to have with us once again on Make It Plain, our dear brother, Terrence Woodbury. Brother, how are you, man? Man, it's the final stretch here, Mark. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here, but uh, you know, we, got, we, we all got work to do, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, we're, we're glad you're here and you're ripping and running. I know you were just on with Brother Roland. Now you're here with me. I'm going to give you the floor, Terrence, because what, what Terrence does very effectively, he has the visuals, he has the slides to show what we're thinking and how we're voting. They've done this poll. So, uh, my brother, please take it away. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mark. I'm going to I'm going to share some slides with your audience here, because, uh, you know, as a pollster, I could get real deep into the walk of this data and it helps to have some visuals to go along. Uh, again, my name is Terrence Woodbury. I'm a partner at Hit Strategies. We're a full-service public opinion research firm, 42 uh, diverse employees that look uh, a lot more like the, uh, like the emerging electorate where the greatest change is happening. We work on behalf of um, establishment Democratic Party organizations like the DNC, the DSCC, and the DCCC. But we also work with advocacy groups on the front lines of the communities that we represent, groups like NAACP and Black Future Lab that commissioned some of this research, um, groups that represent women like Emily's List and Planned Parenthood, and, 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 and groups that represent LGBTQ communities like, um, like HRC. But as you, as you see here, we also have the opportunity to work with some really dynamic candidates, uh, folks like Raphael Warnock and Mandela Barnes, um, B. Nguyen, who's running for Secretary of State in Georgia, and uh, Johanna Hayes is a member of the Congressional Black Con uh, Caucus from Connecticut. So I say all that just to give you a little bit of credential here so you can trust my data. Uh, we have collected over 200, we've conducted over 200 focus groups with Black voters since 2020. I tell people all the time, I don't share my opinion. I only share the opinions of the voters that we talk to. So that's what I want to do here today. I want to tell you guys a little bit about where we are, how we got here. To know where we are, we're, to know where we are in 2022, we got to Take, take a look at some historical trends here. This is Democratic vote. Again, folks, bear with me. It's a lot of data. It's going to be a lot of numbers, but I'm going I'm to try to break it down here. We uh, This Democratic vote patterns. Um, since 1984, you're going to notice a couple things here real fast. One, uh, well, first, all of the broken lines are women. All the solid lines are men. The first thing you'll notice is that Democrats have not won a majority of white votes since the 80s. I mean, since, since we, we got close, we got 51% in, in, uh, under Bill Clinton. But since then, the Democratic coalition is largely compiled by voters of color. The second thing you'll notice here is that right around 2008, we all know what happened then, where that big spike happened. Barack Obama did exceptionally well with voters of color. He also did better with, with white voters. 
But something starts to happen after 2008. Those green lines and those yellow lines, they continually tick down. What's happening there? Voters of color have supported Republican candidates at a greater margin in every single election since Barack Obama exited the political stage, including wow. from 2016 to 2020. Look at, the gray, look at this gray bar, right? Joe Biden did not do better with Black men, Black women, Hispanic men, Hispanic women. He did not do better with any voters of color than Hillary Clinton's losing margin. So how did Joe Biden win? He did better with white men. He did better with college, white college voters. He did better with white seniors. You see the uptick right there at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Right? What does that mean for where we're going? Mm-hmm. Candidates like Raphael Warnock, Stacey Abrams, Mandela Barnes, Val Demings, they're not going to do better than Scranton Joe did with white seniors and mm-hmm. with white right? They're going to have to get back up to Obama-level numbers with Black voters. And that's what, that's, that's what we have our work cut out. What does that erosion look like? You know, we talk a lot about, you know, you, you see this kind of, this like downtick that happened from 2016 to 2020 amongst Black voters. But when you look under the hood there, you start to look at some specific races like Georgia, North Carolina, these hotly contested battleground states. We see that Republicans, not just Donald Trump, who went from 13% of Black men's votes to 19%, but Republicans down ballot, the Trump bump, was not just unique to Trump. That folks like David Perdue, who ran against John Ossoff in Georgia, went from 7% to 17% of Black men's votes. Tom Tillis, who ran in North Carolina, doubled his margins from 5% to 10%. And if you look over to the left, this is what that means. Tom Tillis won by 95,000 votes in 2020. Uh-huh. Had Black men voted for Cal Cunningham at the same rate as Black women, Cal Cunningham would have had 242,000 more votes. This is why I say men of color are the real swing voters in this electorate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and just on that point, a lot of conversation about black men turning out, particularly in Georgia. And we know there's been some movement on social media to try to discourage black men from voting. What, what's, your, what's your take on that? Is that something that is effective? Is that something we need to be concerned about? Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right, Mark. You know, a part of Republican efforts with black men, some of it is to uh, is to plant seeds of discontent amongst their cynicism and frustration. Black men are frustrated, not just with Democrats. They're frustrated with institutions, with politics, with process. You know, black men are also less likely to get vaccinated. You know, they don't trust these institutions that have been uh, that have that they've had mixed results from, frankly. Right. And this is a this is a healthy uh, 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 cynicism, right? This is a a valid frustration, but Republicans sow on that fr- frustration, right? And so they they want to they they want to remind Black voters what Democrats haven't done for them. But the other thing that they try to do, not just to switch them from Democrat or Republican, but to convince them that it doesn't make a difference either way, the false equivalency that will make just enough Black men stay home. As a reminder, Joe Biden won Georgia by 12,000 votes. That ain't that many black men to convince to just at least stay home. So it is, so is black male support, I'm looking at the other screen, is black male support for Republican candidates? I know some of us aren't voting and turning out, but some of that support is actually going up for Republican candidates? 
Yeah, that's right. And so you say, you know, Donald Trump went from 13% to 19% of black men's votes. Tom, David Perdue went from seven to 17. David Perdue in Georgia went from 7% to 17%. That's important, folks, because if Herschel Walker, who is a lot more popular amongst black men than David Perdue, if he could build on David Perdue's progress, if he could get to 20% or 21% of black men's votes, then Herschel Walker is probably going to be a U.S. senator. And this, this is what Republicans, they're looking at the same data we're looking at. You know, the only difference between David Perdue, that got 7%, and David Perdue, that got 17%, he didn't change his policies. He didn't change his messages. He didn't say something different to black men. The only difference between those two David Perdue's is that he started talking to them. He started spending money, targeting them. Yeah. Sending messages, emails, texts. And that's what, you know, Herschel Walker is, is, is doubling down that same playbook. Yeah, yeah. So, folks, this is a part of the division that we're, we're pushing back against as well. The, you know, it, it's interesting, too, Terrence, how social media is unifying the right uh, while it's dividing us. The N-word has gone up thousands of percent. Civil war has gone up. Um, and on our side, you know, things discouraging black men from voting for black candidates, particularly a black woman like Stacey Abrams. Boycott the woman king. Why are we going to boycott? I mean, just all that kind of crazy stuff is going on. But 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 what else in in your focus groups and in your poll did you find? All right. So let's keep going here. You know, we talk a lot about the gender gap between black men and black women. You see that at the bottom. This is as of September 2022. This is four weeks ago. You know, um, that that gap between black men and black women is 7.77% difference between Democrats margin with black men and black women. But look at the generation gap between younger black voters and older black voters. Not a lot of conversation here. Not a lot of folks talking about the generation gap. This is where the real divide is happening. Black, I always say black seniors are my favorite voters in the electorate because we know they're going to vote and we know who they're going to vote for every single time. Black seniors are the most likely voters in all of America. They are going to vote and they're going to vote for Republicans. I'm saying and they're going to vote for Democrats. But look at black folks under 50. Only 70 percent say they're voting for Democrats. As of four weeks ago, 70 percent. That's a 27 point gap between younger black voters and older black voters. And that's where we are. That's where Hit Strategies is spending most of his time in the, in the final stretch here is closing that generation gap and not the gender gap. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. So you, so we, we're going to, obviously, we vote Democratic. We're going to be uh, consistent um, um, uh, with that. Um, and this is going to be... This is going to be very close. Do, do we know anything about turnout yet? Yeah, absolutely. So when we start looking at early voting patterns, you know, uh, again, black seniors are doing exactly what we expect them to do. Black seniors will likely exceed their 2018 turnout. The last midterm, they will likely exceed that before Election Day. More black seniors will vote in Georgia before Election Day than all of the black seniors that voted in 2018. Again, black seniors are my favorite voters in the electorate. 
we we all got to act more like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to be more like them. Be like the seniors. That's right. But but uh, young, you know, Georgia's a unique case. There's a that they are breaking record breaking turnout in Georgia amongst younger voters, older voters, black voters, white voters. They are breaking early voting records. But when you look outside of Georgia nationally, we're starting to see some lag in young voters um, in the early vote. Now, I don't think that that necessarily means that young voters are not going to vote. I just think that post pandemic young voters are more likely to vote on election day. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Got it. As opposed to going out and early voting. That's right. Okay. You know, early vote can only tell us so much. It, you yeah. know, it, it can only give us so many indicators, but, I, but uh, it's, I think it's still a little premature to say that young people are voting less just because they're voting early less. We still got to give them on election day. And I, I expect to see a lot of them surge there. Good. Okay. Okay. All right. All right, I'm going to go through a couple more slides here. Uh, you know, this is what we, we call satis satisfaction rating. Are you satisfied with the direction in which the country is headed? This is just amongst Black voters. And from a poll that we conduct called Black Track, every single month we ask these questions. That's how we're able to track this trend back to summer of 2021. And something unique happened this, this past summer, summer of 22. We had been seeing a downward uh, decline in satisfaction amongst black voters. And then in summer of 22, a few things started happening. Since then, the Dobbs decision happened that reversed Roe Ro versus Wade. Right. Uh, student loan forgiveness has happened. Prescription drug uh, uh, reform has happened. Capping um, insulin cost of $35. Marijuana expungement and legalization has happened. A lot of things start happening since July. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we see what that does to, 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 to Black voters' attitudes. I call it a mood boost. Black folks just feel better about the direction of the country, about where things are going. They don't feel great, but they feel better. Yeah, yeah. What, what, did, what did the Dobbs decision do in terms of our satisfaction or dissatisfaction? Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of questions about Black voters and abortion. And yeah. I, I want to clear up a couple of misperceptions here. I actually might have this in the data. Let's see if I have a slide in here. Uh, I might have to say it because there's a lot of misperceptions that black voters are just more conservative on some of these issues. And, and we are. We are more conservative on social issues. But it's, it, it, we're also very sophisticated voters. And mm -hmm. so when we start asking black people in black track, who is going to be disproportionately impacted by reversing uh, a woman's right to, to, to an abortion? Black voters are at the top of that list. Poor voters are second. Poor, black people are top, poor people are second, right? Gotcha. Okay. And so while black people may have one attitude about, a personal attitude about abortion, uh, their expectation of government is stay out of, you know, right. they making decisions for them. Right. And, and that's, the, that's the sophistication that the right doesn't get. Whatever your personal piece is, you still want, sophistication dictates, you want other individuals to have a right to make their own choice, just like they do when it comes to their faith. I think you know, that this country doesn't dictate what denomination people should be in. That's right. I, and in fact, a, a, a young man in a focus group said it to me in, in Detroit just a few weeks ago when I asked him about his, his attitude on, on abortion. He personally was vehemently against abortion, um, but he also was voting for pro-choice candidates because, and this is a quote, you know, this is where Democrats often have a complicated relationship with God. You know, we've let the right kind of own 
God and religion and patriotism. We let them own these values. But Black people are extremely religious. The most loyal voters in the Democratic base are probably the most Christian voters in America, more so than white evangelicals, Mm -hmm. Black Mm -hmm. people, right? And that young man said to me, God grants all of us freedom of choice. And why should the government grant us any less than that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man, if that's not a message there that Democrats can own and, you know, attract more black vote, black Christians into that pro-choice coalition, uh, I don't expect less from the government, more from the government than I do from God. Yeah, yeah. A- a- another area I want to touch on with you, we could, Terrence. Um, you have found perceptions of voting power to make changes on issues uh, to be a more direct correlation to black voter turnout than voter likelihood questions. So this issue of voter power, the number of black voters who believe their vote has the power to affect change on the issues that matter to them decreased from 67% to 65% last month. What, what, what's that about, you think? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, so in 2020, we started measuring this correlation. You guys, you, you would hear these kind of questions if you follow polls, vote likelihood, enthusiasm, how enthusiastic uh, are you voting? How likely are you to vote? Well, you know, we discovered early on that enthusiasm isn't a really effective way of measuring Black people's participation. Just because they ain't enthusiastic about voting don't mean they not vote. You know, uh, if one, one young man told me in a focus group, voting to me is like taking out the trash. I don't feel like doing it. I don't want to do it. Right. If I don't do it, it's going to stink too damn much, you know? <laughs> so it's not, you're going to vote every time. That ain't an enthusiasm measure. So we, we're trying to find a different metric to measure Black voters, you know, engagement. And so we started asking this question, regardless of how often you vote, how much power do you believe your vote has to make a difference in your community? Mm-hmm. And in 2020, 73% of Black voters told us they felt extremely powerful in Georgia. 73% is a big number. Well, in the same election, 72% of Black people in Georgia voted. Almost a direct correlation. If they feel like their vote makes a difference, then they're less likely to waste it. It sounds like common sense, but we were able to prove it empirically. Well, since then, we've seen erosions in those perceptions from 73% in 2020 to 46% in 2021. And when we asked them in 2021, well, what was the difference? You know, what why do you feel, why'd you feel so much power in 2020? What's changed? What made them feel powerful in 2020 was that they were being courted by us. Democrats and Republicans were texting them and calling them every single day, reminding them how important they were, reminding them how, how, how necessary they were in the process. Mm. You know, they felt powerful because we were courting them. They felt powerful because they were a part of something collective. You know, they said it felt like something we were all doing. My pastor was voting and LeBron was voting and Barack was voting right. and my office. We were all a part of it. And then after the election, the text message stopped. This collective energy stopped. You know, they also felt that same power during the protest in summer of 2020. When we were all part of something, when everybody was out there protesting, when LeBron was wearing BLM jerseys, and Michelle was making statements on the radio and, yeah. you know, yeah. we're a part of something collective. Well, that thing evaporated in 2021. They stopped getting the messages. You know, they stopped hearing from their pastor about what's happening in politics. The pulpit stopped talking about legislation, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
But we've seen, <laughs> the good news is, Mark, we've seen some recovery in that, in those perceptions of power. In 2022, the same thing that, you know, that same mood boost that happened in satisfaction and direction of the country and favorability, well, that mood boost is contributing to a power boost as well, a power shift that Black voters feel more powerful. One, we're courting them again. You know, people are in the text messages every day again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it, and it just shows it put a difference too between the presidential and the midterms. Also, you know, there's this always this historic, historical drop off in the midterms. Um, and I mean, obviously, the lesson too here is we can't ever stop in in terms of engaging uh, because there is going to be um, some 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 drop off. What what if anything, Terrence? Do you know about? Um, did you all look into attitudes when it comes to voter uh, suppression and would that have an impact on perception of voting power? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we, we spent a lot of time digging into uh, voter suppression, access to voting with organizations like NAACP and right. the New Georgia Project, um, SCIU and some others. And there's a couple of important lessons here, Mark. One and the most important, the most important lesson Again, sometimes it sounds like common sense, but we need research to confirm it. Voter suppression doesn't resonate to people the way that we think it does. You know, when, when, pe- when, we, when we talk about voter suppression, it often conjures these memories of civil rights movement and Martin Luther King and the Edmund Pettus Bridge. And it, as long as they don't see people getting beat upside the head with clubs for trying to vote and police with dogs preventing people from voting, if they don't see that, then, then they're less likely to believe that voter suppression is a problem to the point where for the past two years, voting rights has not been a top five, even a top 10 issue for Black voters. Uh, that's changed more recently now that people started voting. But the only place that was an exception is in Georgia, where voting rights was a top three issue. And it always has been. It never dropped. That's because Georgia never stopped talking to folks about voting. Stacey never stopped communicating about what the legislature was doing. They never stopped texting them about ways that, uh, that they can get engaged to prevent the legislature. And so we saw urgency around voting rights as a top three issue. We saw voter vigilance. You know, in focus groups, they can list the things that the legislature was up to. They can list the water bottles and uh, souls to the polls ending Sunday. Uh, Sunday early voting. Um, and the fact that they're able to recite these things to us, sometimes first time voters, Mark, that means that these people weren't reading about this legislation uh, in the AJC. It was being delivered to the palm of their hand, updates about the legislature. In fact, one young man was telling me about, you know, what, what Georgia really needs is for Home Depot and Coca-Cola to hold Republicans accountable. I'm like, shit, like corporate responsibility. These are sophisticated voters. And today we see the impact of that with Georgia, with Black people in Georgia, shattering early voting records. Yeah. That vigilance has made it more urgent for them to get them votes in the the box. Lastly, you took a look at the reaction uh, the Black voters had, including Black men again, um, Biden's marijuana policy. Yeah, you know, so this is where we've often said that this White House has a messaging problem and not a governing problem. 
Uh-huh. Back it back up because the, the, the marijuana policy is one example of that. When we talk about it to people, you know, they, it's one thing to legalize marijuana and that's great. It's something that they've always wanted to do, but it's often dismissed as pandering, right? When you say, well, Joe Biden cares about the black community so much that he did the X or he did Y, they dismiss that as pandering. And so when we talk about the progress that's being made, Remember the slide that's up right now for, 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 view, for audience that are still watching. The goal here is to make them feel powerful, right? Not to make them like Joe Biden or make them like Raphael Warnock. It's to make them believe in themselves and believe in their power. And so the way to talk about this progress is to put, make Black voters the hero of the story. It wasn't, we didn't reduce child poverty with tax credits because Joe Biden loves black people that much. And Joe Biden loves black people from, from every impression. But we were able to reduce black poverty because black voters flipped Georgia and flipped Michigan and flipped Pennsylvania. Because of their votes, black lives are getting better. And when we position black voters as the hero, one, they're more likely to believe it. They believe in themselves. They believe each other, but also, it makes them feel powerful. I did that. I reduced poverty in my community. And made that difference. Folks, this is it. Um, tell everyone uh, that you know and love to get out to vote. And even if you're, there's not a lot of competitive races in your state where they should, because that's the other thing too. We're talking about a lot of these federal races, but folks, it, it's, it's getting down to the local level. Police are governed locally. Election boards are local. Now with the Dobbs decision, women's bodily autonomy will be governed locally. So the state legislature, redistricting, all of that, that's got to be a priority this time. So please, ma'am, please, sir, help spread the word. Get out an early vote uh, and go to hitstrat.com, right? That's right. That's right. All of our data, we make all of this available. We believe in data as a public good. So find it, use us, use us up, and submit any questions that you have. Uh, our brother. Uh, Terrence Woodbury. Thank you, Terrence. We appreciate you, man. Okay. Thank you so much, brother. Keep up the great work. All right. And you do the same. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister or brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.